From In the Beginning to the Musical Apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What. I'm your host, Mike Wiseman. Before we begin today's regularly scheduled program, I have a new Love Me Three Times patron to thank, David McLaughlin. Thanks, David, for all the extra love and support. You too can be immortalized in BSW history by going to patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will go to the many expenses associated with the show and will get you early access to each week's episode, unaired conversations, including the very first 10 episodes, and exclusive BSW merch. That's patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast. That being said, near the end of today's episode, my guest wanted to read 2 Peter 2 and 3. We never got around to that, so this is my take on it. 2 Peter 2, the NIV, gives this chapter the title of False Teachers and Their Destruction. Verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. They're, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not yet been sleeping. Verse 10. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish." I can only assume that my guest was attempting to tell me that eventually false prophets will be punished. This doesn't match up with the swift and violent judgments the Christian deity dishes out to false prophets in the Old Testament, or the fact that Yahweh himself claims to be responsible for false prophets, Ezekiel 14.9. Great stuff there. Again, I'm guessing, but I think that's where 2 Peter 3 comes in for him, even though it's not a very good excuse. 2 Peter 3, starting with verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they will deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Verse 7, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Christians love to use this verse for their eventually our deity will return and all the bad people will be punished excuse. In fact, I tackled 2 Peter 3 in my book, The Bible Says What, Chapter 13, The Musical Apocalypse. On page 113, inevitably, 
when nothing happens, when people start to notice that Jesus is a no-show, Yahweh fortuitously predicted through his prophet Peter that some would begin to question the validity of this coming, this end of the world that was promised, 2 Peter 3, 4. They would recall being told that their ancestors would not live to see the, would live to see the end, yet their ancestors would have all died, and will and the world would have continued to endure just as it had since the beginning of creation, 2 Peter 3, 4. According to Peter, everyone was wrong about the timing of these events, even Jesus. He indicated that Yahweh is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, 2 Peter 3, 9. He believed that the reason it appeared to be taking longer than it should be was due to our misunderstanding of Yahweh's concept of time. Peter asserted that to the Christian deity, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, 2 Peter 3, 8. This idea, however, could not possibly be applied to every biblical timeline, time frame, or period of time described within the pages of the Christian, of the Yahweh's bestseller. Hmm. Without verification from their mute deity, Christians using their own thought processes must choose which stories to apply this Yahwistic concept of time to. If we adopt this idea of one day being equivalent to 1,000 years and apply it to some of the other stories within the biblical text, we would have a world that was created not in days but millennia and a demigod deceased for 3,000 years instead of the typically taught three days in the tomb. This idea is not consistent with the rest of the biblical narrative it does not fit peter did not know why the apocalypse had not yet taken place and as an excuse for this delay peter changes the timeline for these events by inventing an entirely new concept of time yahweh time let's start the show is there anything in the bible that you yourself have an issue with <laughs> Okay, so it took you reading the Bible to realize that those things were bad for you? Yeah, it actually did. I, I didn't figure this out on your own? No, Ted, Ted Bundy could be redeemed. God doesn't kill children. What do you think the Passover was? Yahweh sets up a whole system in the Old Testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you. Today's special guest is pastor and author Mike O'Dowd. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. Thanks for taking the time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Uh, well, I do a, a few things right now. Um, I... Uh, Preponderantly, I'm a pastor of a church in New York State, about an hour north of New York City, and uh, that uh, takes up really the vast majority of my time. Uh, I also am a, a published author, and so I, I squeeze writing books in in between that. And then, obviously, uh, you know, probably most importantly, I'm a husband and a father. So uh, those are the big things in my life. Hmm. Thank you for that. Most importantly, husband and father. That's, that's a good one there. Most yeah. important. Um, so Yeah, don't this, lose sight of that. Absolutely. This book of yours, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, it is a. Uh, it was released uh, by Deep River Books last August, so it's been out in print for a little over a year. Uh, also in uh, 
uh, electronic format as well. And it is uh, titled The Gospel, The Redemption and Restoration Story. And the gist of the book, I can get into a lot of details about it, mm -hmm. what drove me to write it, those kinds of things. But the gist of the book is really to trace uh, the message of, of God's plan of, of saving us uh, really from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. Uh, I touch on certain passages from Genesis to Revelation. And along the way, I try to trace the main thread of the biblical narrative, which is really God's work uh, in prophesying, preparing, and bringing his son into the world at just the right time to bring salvation to the world, and then how that really plays out uh, through the course then of human history until Christ brings that, at least this age of human history, to the end uh, when he returns. And hmm. the, the, it just, the, the intent of the book really is, is to deepen our understanding of the gospel, uh, of that plan of salvation, uh, you know, beyond, uh, you know, sometimes what I think is just a little bit of a superficial understanding, and, you know, and I can flesh that out, you know, in further conversation in any way you'd like, Michael. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, the, the title itself it brings up a question, uh, a, re, uh, a redemption and restoration story. So why does, you why does mankind need redemption? Well, you have to, like any good story, Michael, you have to go back to the beginning. Mm. And uh, we were in the biblical narrative, which is really, uh, uh, from my perspective as a follower of Jesus Christ, is not a story. In, in, it's only a story in the sense that it really does follow the pattern of a great story, but it's a story mm. of real history. And it's the story of human history. And from the very beginning, uh, God created us, and he created us uh, in a creation, and as part of that creation that he describes in summary when he's all said and done, he looks upon it and he says, it's very good. And so mm -hmm. when God creates something and characterizes it as very good, uh, it is without flaw. It is without blemish. Uh, there is nothing wrong with his work. Uh, what comes into creation that brings all of the corruption, both of you know, the natural order, uh, the corruption uh, that we experience, you know, within ourselves and in the things that we struggle with, body, heart, mind, and soul, that came into creation as a result of what we did. Uh, the wow. account of human history proves very early on, you know, when you think about Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, they were, they were given one command, uh, and yet the, the force of will of a, of a sinful human nature really couldn't even abide by that. And they chose to go their own way. Uh, and as a result of that, if you study the scriptures broadly, uh, immediately you just had these enormous calamities. Uh, you had uh, a break in relationship between man and God. You see a break in relationship between husband and wife. Uh, mm -hmm. You see a break in relationship really within ourselves. Unhealthy emotions come into human experience as a result of our sin from the very beginning. And we also experience a, a break with creation, a creation that was meant to be something that we tended to exercise dominion over without all of the, the experience of corruption in creation that we see now. And when I say corruption, I'm talking about the, the, the fact that everything dies, hmm. the fact that things deteriorate, the fact that we experience calamity in hmm. nature, all of those things. Uh, and so there was a breakdown, you know, between humanity and nature, what was meant to be a harmonious existence of, of working and tending to and exercising dominion over creation. 
all of a sudden became a work that was accomplished against the force of everything that had gone wrong with it. And labor, which should be a joy, became a toil. Uh, and it's still the experience for us today. And then the fifth thing that you see in the beginning is really just that deterioration, that experience of creation that God teaches us in Romans chapter eight was a corruption that he subjected it to because of our sin, awaiting mm -hmm. the day when Jesus Christ will return uh, and release even creation itself from that corruption. So we need redemption. Uh, we need salvation uh, uh, on so many levels, but uh, above all, on the level of, of what our willful rebellion against God brought to pass, both in our own mm. lives and in creation. We have violated uh, heart, mind, and soul, uh, the laws, the will of the king of the universe, and you cannot do that without offense. And so we, uh, in and of ourselves, uh, apart from God doing anything to intervene on our behalf, Michael, uh, we are on a track to a person. Uh, on a destiny, an eternal mm. destiny that is tragic, one that will lead to mm. death and a judgment, and that judgment will be the experience of, of just an awful conscious torment forever. We need to be saved from that, and we can't do it for ourselves. We are helpless and hopeless to do so. How's Th that? Thank you for that. I appreciate that. That, that brings up so many questions, but I, I appreciate that. That, <laughs> <laughs> that explains a you lot. You know, of I'm your, good at that, Michael. I just, you know, I say stuff that really just prompts another conversation, another discussion. <laughs> I got a whole page questions. here, Mike. I got a whole page. <laughs> Fire away, buddy. So this this redemption from from um, our sins, it brings us back to the original, uh, uh, the original sin, which is disobeying Yahweh by eating from the tree. Um, mm -hmm. Now. Just a question about the tree itself. Who made that tree? Uh, well, if, if God created everything at that point, huh. then really the only one that who could have possibly made it is God. What would his purpose be for making such a tree? Um, you know, there is a, there is a wealth of, of really geeky theological <laughs> thought and discussion yeah. Uh, about our nature and how God created us very good. And was it possible for us to live uh, a sinless life, you know, in and of ourselves? Mm. And you, there, there are a number of terms that are, that are really uh, hard to understand. It would require a lot of explanation, but a lot of it boils down to, you know, was it possible for God to create people in his own image? And so really, you know, without, um, I'm not dodging the question, Michael, but it really begs a preceding question. You know, hmm. the scripture teaches that we were created in his image. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And and there is a lot of ink in commentaries and, and theological discourse that's been spilled on what does it mean to be created in his image. Mm -hmm. uh, in the book, I, 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 I flesh that out, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I think being created in his image means that we were created purposefully. Uh, for the work that Genesis 1 indicates we were created for, and that is to do meaningful work intending his creation. But as his image bearers mm. and maintaining a very good creation, that entails doing it in accordance with his will, morally and ethically. Uh, I believe that we were created as whole persons, that, you know, there, there's a there's some really flawed Greek philosophical thought that predates Christ, that physical matter is evil and the spirit is good. Um, uh, I think anybody that would try to reduce their own sin down to, well, the body did it, but, you know, the rest of me is fine, 
uh, would, if we were honest with ourselves, we would realize that while there's a lot of things that are messed up in what goes on in my heart and my own mind that are very sinful, we were created as whole persons. Well, his image. we were created, uh, what it, what Isaiah it, you know, 43, that, 21, the people I have formed for myself to proclaim my praise, uh, Colossians 1, 16, all things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions, all things were created through him and for him. So we were created as people, yeah. it doesn't sound like to do good, but to, well, the, well, I guess the good is praising God. That's the only thing we were essentially well, right. created I, for. Well, I mean, Genesis 1, Gen. Yeah, Genesis 1, we were created to exercise dominion. If you go to the end of the book in Revelation 21 and 22, you see when everything is restored, that dominion and that work uh, of serving God in a new creation, which includes worshiping and praising him forever. Uh -huh. uh, we were created for a meaningful existence. We will be resurrected into a world made forever new and forever good uh, to continue a meaningful existence apart from sin forever, which is what we look well, forward to. But in, in Genesis 1, you, uh, you see that we were, we were created in his image uh, for a particular purpose. And then you, as you fast forward after the flood, you know, God gives the, the direction uh, to Noah uh, to take action uh, against those who commit murder, basically, you know, to, to deal with that as, as a capital crime. Well, and he gives the rationale for spilling man's blood because we were made in his image. So as whole persons, and really the heart of the resurrection is that we will be resurrected as whole persons, both body and spirit perfected, forever delivered from the presence of sin. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in Genesis 1, uh, if we were created as his image bearers, uh, then we were created purposefully so, you know, as living souls, Genesis 2. Uh -huh. And we are... Uh, therefore, like God, uh, we bear the responsibility as independent moral agents, both morally and ethically. Okay. And so, uh -huh. so you know, so the question then is begged there, is it possible for anybody other than God uh, to live a sinless life if they're an independent moral and ethical agent? Uh, I would argue hmm. no. And, and that tree was, in my opinion, uh, created for the purpose of putting us to a test uh, that I think ultimately there it is. Uh, we were going to fail. There it is. There it is. So God put those trees there as a test that we yeah. would ultimately fail. Does God know everything? Uh, yes, he's omniscient. So he knew essential. before he put those trees there, before he even created those trees, that uh, it would cause the from fall eternity. of man. Yeah, he knew from eternity past. So he created flawed beings on purpose. Um. I'm not sure that's his purpose. I didn't uh, say that's his purpose, but he did it on yeah. purpose. He created oh, he, he, flawed people on purpose that he would need he to. Per... Go yeah. ahead. There, there are there are theologians who would disagree with that characterization, Michael. I don't. Uh, I believe he created us uh, as independent moral agents that that were destined to discover uh, that by his standards we were going to fail hmm. uh, in living that way. You know, so now let me let me let me stop for one second, Mike. Yeah. And and you know, we can carry this discussion, uh, you know, like good enlightenment rationalists, like we need to through human reason, you know, come up with an answer for everything. Ultimately, or at least try uh, to, or at least try to. Yeah. But ultimately, an infinite God, if He's going to make Himself known to us, and that's really the only reason you cannot, you and I can have this conversation, is because He has made Himself known to us. At some point, I'm going huh. to encounter a place where, a very, as a very finite being, 
I'm not going to be capable of answering some questions and really digging into the well if you knew we were going to fail. So, but yeah, I do, I do believe that we were, I, I'm not, I don't fall into that theological care, care category that says, well, you know, everything hung in the balance and, and Adam and Eve could have prevailed hmm. uh, over the inclinations of their nature. I don't think that's possible. Gotcha. So he did it on purpose, knowing it would cause the fall of man. We agree on that. So what yeah. would, <clears throat> as a, as a rational, loving human being, I mean, I, I, you're a father, right? I, I saw that somewhere that you're mm-hmm. a father. Now, as a father myself, I purposely would not put things in the way of my children to cause them to stumble, to 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 cause the fall of man, essentially. That, the scenario I go to is uh, a daycare. And if I put a gummy yep. worm or a gummy bear full of rat poison in the middle of a daycare, the same as a tree in the middle of a garden. These people did not know mm-hmm. right from wrong. They did not know good from evil because they hadn't eaten from the tree. So they didn't know it was wrong. I put the fruit, I put the uh, the gummy bear there. I, I put the, the poison in it and I leave the daycare. All these kids are around. I say, don't eat it. Don't eat it. And I walk away. Now, of course, like within 10 seconds, there's going to be a kid that's going to eat it because he didn't listen. He mm-hmm. doesn't know right from wrong. He doesn't really fully understand or comprehend. But to make things worse, I let a bad guy into the room to try and convince mm-hmm. them to eat it. No, 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 really, no, really eat it. You're you're not going to die just spiritually. It's not for real. You're not, you can touch it. It's okay. Yeah. All these things. So who's at fault for creating it and letting the bad guy in? Who's at fault at that point? Uh, we are. As in like the uh, kids, the are you blaming the kids well, for eating the, the gummy oh, bear? You, you're, oh, in, in that case, yeah, you know, the parent is at fault. Right. Uh, but let me ask you this. Does uh-huh. the parent have the power to to resurrect and restore their child back to life? Um, if they do, he that? he didn't. He didn't uh, restore Adam and Eve back to life. He killed them. Well, he, he uh, kicked them out of the garden. They, they experienced death, but so will you and I. Right. So now those ch- children are dead. They don't get to experience life. They get to experience death. Why? Okay. Because I put the gummy worm there. I let the bad guy in. Who's at fault? Me. Not the kid. But again, it, that's you know, victim well, blaming come, at that point. Why would you blame well, the victim? Well, I'm not blaming the victim, buddy. But if you, a couple of things you're attributing to Adam and Eve here, and one is that uh, they are existing in a childlike state. Uh, the scripture right. doesn't give any indication that they were children. Did they know uh, good from good from evil? Did they know right uh, from wrong? Well, they were given the command. Would right. God have given? But did the they know right the, from wrong? Well, I think if you look at Eve's response carefully to that. Uh-huh. What you're looking at is a rational decision on the part of a rational adult uh, to do away uh, and to and by the way, with the bad guy present and doing nothing more than tapping into what already exists in the heart and mind uh, of Adam and Eve, which is not the case with children. Was God there uh, when the snake was there trying to convince Eve? Uh, was God there? Well, was I'm sure present? he was present. So yeah. he just watched it happen. He's like he didn't uh, step in, and say, no, no, the snake's lying to you. He just watched it happen. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Okay. What well, he didn't just watch it happen, Michael. Okay. What did he what did he command them beforehand? No, 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 no. He's in that moment. He's in that moment. Okay. Watching the snake deceive Eve. Supposedly deceive Eve. He's watching okay, it well, happen. He knows what's going to happen afterwards. Why didn't he try and stop it? Okay. Why did he not well, intervene? Let, well, Michael, let's turn it, let's turn that question on its ear there. Okay, okay. let's say he intervened and he says, No, 
You uh -huh. remember my command? First of all, uh -huh. uh, what does he have to do to get them to stop at that point? Well, just talk to them. He can show up and be like, this snake is lying to you. And then they have a choice from there to believe the God who's standing in front of them versus the okay. snake who's on the tree. So they have, have a choice very, at that point, a better choice. Have you ever very carefully read Genesis 3 and gone through what Satan is doing in his conversation with Eve uh, and how Eve's responses <laughs> reveal to her? Satan is not introducing anything, Michael, that was not already in Eve. Right. Are He's trying to me? convince her, right? He's is trying, he trying to convince her? her. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I mean, he's not trying to convince her. Oh, no, he's, he's just not. simply drawing out what's already there. But if you look he's using that to convince her, it, right? No, I, I think he's drawing out what's already there. I don't think Eve needed any convincing. I think she may have needed some encouraging. Okay. Well, he's encouraging it. her then. Holy cow. So he's okay. encouraging her. So so right? let's let's turn the question back. If if God intervenes at that point, I go uh -huh. back to my question to uh -huh. you. What does he have to do? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't there. I don't know the mind of Adam and Eve, well, but God did. God knows exactly what it would have taken to stop okay. them from doing that to cause the fall and, of man. Right. And my, my point to you is that to do that, uh -huh. he would have had to override the will of Adam and Eve, no. which was already finding its expression. Mike. Come on, yeah. you can step in as a father and not override free will. You can step in and go, hey, that's a bad decision. Let's stop and rethink this. God could have done the uh, same exact thing in that moment. He could have stepped in and said, hey, whoa, why are you listening to this Michael guy? Having, Am I Michael not your having, God? Michael, having raised a child mm -hmm. uh, that did everything in the world and ultimately has uh, you know, over, basically overridden everything I've done to try to stop her, from living, I, I can intervene with all my power. I can even physically. You're just a human her. being, though. This is no, God. No, we're but talking listen. About. Okay, but we go back to who He created us to be, and ultimately, any kind of intervention on God's part here uh, mm -hmm. has to be one that shapes and affects the will. I can stop for a moment, but if you carry on beyond Genesis three, which you, neither you nor I can play out, uh, if we carry on beyond Genesis three then really what happens the next time and what happens the time after that? And I can tell you as a father who raised a child and has to deal with the tragic aspects of what her life has become because she refused to listen. Have you ever cursed your uh, child with death? What's that? Have you ever cursed no. your child with? No, no, no. I mean, that's, that's but, obvious. But God, do go, back, go, back to what, go back to what God created us to be, Michael. He created us as to worship him. Free, free moral agents. That worship uh, him. That right. worship him, but uh -huh. worship him. What is what's the greatest commandment, Mike? Love one another, but that's also comes. No, from no, Buddha. no. That's not the greatest commandment. What's, oh, what's the, the greatest one? commandment? What's the greatest? Well, the love. Uh, he who lays down his life for a friend. What does Deuteronomy six five say? Well, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. What does it say? Okay, uh, it says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind." And so strength. he just wants to be praised and admired and loved. That's the greatest is, thing in the which world. Is, which is a conviction of the will. That's not well. That's not free will at that and, point. If he's if he's telling me I have to praise and worship and 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 love him, but he's gonna throw me into a place of fiery pit forever, if I don't, that's not really free will at that point. Uh, well, it, that's it's a, a free exercise. It's a free exercise of will, you know, to make that choice to do that. Wow. And, okay. And add, either and you add, can Ukraine can be like, yeah, Russia's awesome, or you can Ukraine can fight back. There's there's more options here. Okay, we wouldn't well, have to just submit were... to Yahweh. We can actually, and if this is a loving God who wants the best for me, mm -hmm. why threaten me with an eternal hell? What is, well, what is the best for you, Michael? 
Well, not burning alive. That's one. No, but what is the best for you? I don't know. But if this eternal being knows what's best, knows everything, then what, he knows what's best what for is, you, right? What is best for you is of your own free will to be in right relationship with God on his terms. What is best for you is that which brings glory to God. Why? Uh, and bringing glory to God because he created you. So? Why do I have to it's bring on, glory to him? Like I created my kids. I don't, I don't demand glory and praise. And well, honor. you're not go back to what you said to me earlier. You're not God, Michael. Right. You just, you just right. said the that same makes thing it to me. weird, Mike. That, it's also weird calling you Mike and Mike and Mike and Mike back and forth, yeah. but it makes it weird that this all powerful, all loving God wants a relationship with me, but they, they, he has these stipulations. If it's I weird. ever, if I ever get my daughter back into my life mm. in a right relationship with me, can I control that? Can I compel that? Why would you want to control that? Exactly. What, what is real love in that case if she comes back to me? Is demanding is her, praise and worship real love? No. It is no, her willful response to come back to me in right relationship with me. And, uh, and if, you know, Malachi 2, I desire godly offspring. God's desire is to be in right relationship with people that he created. Um, are there, you know, are there some logical, rational, uh, gaps there where we can't necessarily fill in and explain? We obviously, there obviously are, you and I have both admitted to several <laughs> already in this conversation, but at some point again, uh, in the work of an infinite God, and again, this is a conversation you and I could not have unless he revealed himself to us, but in, in, in God's work in our lives, uh, at some point, I have to come to the point where I can't possibly understand. By the way, when my children were three, four, and five, there were a multitude of things that I did with them that I couldn't understand. Uh, the reality is, though, is I will never rise uh, as, as even, you know, even in eternity as a being that will be able to fully understand and rationalize and comprehend the fullness of who God is and the mystery rationalize. of what he does. Why, are, do you say rationalize? Things... Why do you say rationalize? Why not? Well, what problem do you have rationalizing with that's that's related to God? Uh, I don't have any problem with it. Reality, oh, well, to so be honest, you already rationalize with it. You don't need to worry about that then, right? Uh, well, you know, I know him, Michael. Do you? <laughs> I don't think you do, Mike, and uh, I, I don't as well because he has he's he's I think he's uh, fictitious. So yeah. no, that's Michael, where I'm I have Micah I have five, five five. 515, I will take vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations that have not obeyed me. Why? Because they worshiped other oh. deities, cast spells, and made idols. These are the demands of this loving father figure. He's going to take vengeance and anger against people who don't worship him. I don't worship uh, who, him. Why would he do that? Would you take well, vengeance and anger on your kid if they didn't acknowledge you as their one true father? Uh no, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't does have them in my sense? life either. You know, does it make sense in, to, in, though? Does it make sense for God to do that? Let me ask you this, Michael. Does it make sense for him to send his only son into the world? No. Uh, and, and subject himself to, to the limits of our... Well, it doesn't, but you can't understand that, and neither can I. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. God is unable to forgive people without something innocent dying in his name. That's no, right. and that who, doesn't and, make and, any sense. And who, well, you know, do you, you know what, you know what you get, Michael, if you have a God that makes sense to you, what I do you know. get? What do I get? You get a God of your own making. That's which in your case is, which in your case is probably yourself. Um, myself, or whatever. I am not my own or God. whatever. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't well, believe in gods, period. Okay. Period. 
No. I, I, don't, I don't understand why anybody would need one. God on your own terms. Um, There's no God. There's zero God. Are you married? Are you married, Michael? Yes. I don't believe it. <laughs> okay, cool. Prove it D to me. Doesn't affect anything. Prove it to me. Why do, why do have, I have to do you, prove my marriage to you? Why do I have to prove to you that I know the living God through faith in Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you to prove. I'm just asking you to ask her, answer questions that don't make sense to me. And clearly well, they don't the make main, sense to you. Well, the main question that, that needs to be answered here is, is, do I know him? And I do. Okay, how do you know um, him? Uh, well, do you want to hear the whole testimony? Do you know him through his Bible? Or has he personally talked to you and come down and said hello? Uh, well, actually, on a couple of occasions, he has, and in some remarkable ways, he's intervened in my life that are Mike. just beyond explanation. Mike, sure. God's you come down and talk to you. Does he have to come down if he's omniscient and omnipresent? Okay, so he's talked to you through telepathy? Uh, he's talked to me by his spirit. A ghost? That's even better. So how no, does that work? Spirit's not a ghost. You're using a human understanding of that. 100% a spirit is a ghost. God. Explain uh, to me how a spirit is not a ghost. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's a Holy Ghost, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. There's a word in there that's uh, ghost. Well, uh, Come on, you know, Mike. You're taking, you're taking a modern Okay, so God speaks to you through his ghost. How does that work for you? Is it is it audible? Did you see him? Well, he speaks to me through many ways. In a couple of cases, in audible ways. Uh, okay, what was the word. audible? How did he, he sound? Understand? Okay, do you want to hear my story, Michael, or do you want to keep well, I want to hear... Well, you're talking about other things. I want, I want to focus. We're pin focus right well, here on God's voice. You heard God's ask, voice. What did it you're say? Ask, you're asking me questions, and you're not letting me answer them. You're getting off track. I want to know what God's voice sounds like. God's voice sounds like uh, what any voice might sound like, buddy. What do you, who do you want him to sound like? Seinfeld? or I don't want or, him to sound like anybody. I just want to know what he sounds like. Because it's very uh, weird that you actually heard the voice of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I have on more than one occasion okay. heard God speak to me, but predominantly he moves in my, wife, my life in different ways. How do you know it's him? Uh, because he acts in conformity to, to what his word teaches about him and what he promises do in the life of people. Like Micah 5.15? on his terms through faith in Jesus Christ. What's that? Like Micah 5.15 here, where I will take vengeance and anger and wrath on the nations who have not obeyed me. Uh, well, that is something he has done. He did it through a worldwide flood. Uh, he has done it selectively in Sodom and Gomorrah. These are all Bible stories in real it. life here. And he, like, like in real life, like there's, there's Muslim nations, Muslim nations that <laughs> us, the United States has gone to war with and lost. Other nations have gone to war with and lost. Wouldn't that make their God better and stronger at that point? Uh, so like he's not taking vengeance on these places. They're still existing. They're still worshiping these other gods. Okay, so, well, what is what is Second Peter three teach? Uh, which one? Second Peter three what? Three fifteen? Well, it says well. Give an answer. Second Peter, Second Peter chapter two and Second Peter three. Uh, okay, what's it say? Summa, summarize. It okay, well, take a look. Well, basically, why don't you give me a second, Michael? Yeah, no worries. Go ahead. Yeah. You, okay, we got time, right? Are Absolutely. Bible study is my favorite part, Mike. <laughs> All right. Well, good, buddy. Maybe you'll learn something. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Michael. Sorry, no, you're fine, man. You apologize. Fine. No, I, that I I've heard much that. worse. First Peter, you said about it. Uh, no, I'm in Second Peter. Second Peter, sorry. Second Peter. Yeah, just... Two. Warning to pay attention. Uh oh. 
Oh no, Mike, you froze. Mike, are you still there? Oh, don't go anywhere. Doing great. Mike. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. Well, I hope he comes back. Thanks, Mike. That was fun. And that's all the show there is for you today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard and want to help keep the recording light on, simply go to patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will give you access to the patron feed, unaired conversations, early access to each episode, and much more. For the latest events, BSW swag, and a peek behind the scenes, head on over to the show's ever-evolving webpage at thebiblesayswhat.com. The Bible Says What the book is out. Head on over to thebiblesayswhat.com and get yourself and your grandma a signed copy. Thanks to the cosmic powers of the internet, it is now possible to buy me a beer or coffee online. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash BSW the podcast and click the appropriate buttons. If you can't support the show monetarily, please like, share, and or leave a review. As always, you can find me at the Bible Says What Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram pages. You can also reach me at bswthepodcast at gmail.com. And no matter which platform you use to listen to your podcasts, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them? Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts. Interesting book. Uh, chapter one here, page 19 for me. Once there is the suspicion that a religion is a myth, its power has gone. It may be necessary for man to have a myth, but he cannot self-consciously prescribe one as he can mix a pill for a headache. A myth can only work when it is thought to be truth, and a man cannot for long knowingly and intentionally kid himself. <laughs>